I feel like we don't deserve these nice office chairs. I know. <laughs> like I can lean back. Yeah. I'm like, I don't deserve this. And I popped it up. I also like that it's an office chair that where the like lever doesn't extend out. It feels so fucking yeah, classy, know, like I how know, little know, it is. Yeah. It's it's really funny. I'm in here with the like the light and room and like the chair. I'm like, what the hell just happened? We got, we evolved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I really like this song. It already kind of... It's so serious. It reminds me of like those keyboards where you can put strings behind the keys. Yes. Like you put the two yeah, sounds yeah, in one. Oh, yeah. dry vocal. That was cool. I never like knew that was in there. Like a deep one. It like was like that. a whale sound. <laughs> the whale 808. <laughs> Love the filter drum like, yeah. thing going on in this era. Very Linkin Park. It, it, yeah, you're right. She's she's such a dynamic vocalist. I think that's a, it's such a key part of this song. And the background vocals, of course. <laughs> I can't wake up. <laughs> oh yeah, it's so good. Wow. It's like these guitar chord voicings. We kind of talked about it with uh, the Deftone song. I wonder what they're called, where they're kind of like open voicings for metal chords. Yeah, Are they yeah. just like D or C sharp tune? Like, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. The background vocals. Great early 2000s pinch harmonics oh, yeah. thrown in for no reason. <laughs> Yeah. Cool like cool transitions from the from the different parts of the song to the next. That's cool. That's yeah. like the sign of a very good producer or mixer or band, you know. And drums sound great. I really like that the strings are present, but they're not like really too in my face. I right. feel like they work with the guitars really You're well. You're right. You're right. Ooh, the whisper. A lot of good whispering oh, on this wow. track. <laughs> Second only to the Whisper song by Ying Yang Twins <laughs> and, and Whispering. That's a Humanator song. Yeah, really? That's awesome. Really strong halftime on the drums there. Dream Theater. The Dream Theater also, I always call that that. Let me see that song. Oh my it's, it's god. It's always that move. Yeah, oh the Cisco move. <laughs> oh yeah, gotta have this part in here. I bet Job loves this part. Definitely. 12 Stones, lead Definitely. singer of 12 Definitely. Stones right here. <laughs> One of Christianity's top 50 new metal bands. Welcome to Listen to This, a podcast in which we talk about songs we like, we research what they mean, how they're recorded, why they're in, why we like them, and why you should listen to this. Today we're talking about a song that never fails to bring a smile to my insides. It's Bring Me to Life by Evanescence. Uh, the song's colloquial known as Wake Me Up Inside. That's how I know Yeah, exactly, exactly. When I was like, we should do an Evanescence yeah, song. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, Wake Me Up Inside. You sent me that. I was yeah. like, I think he means this one. But I was like, maybe they did a, a, a repeat later in their career. That's so funny. Um, 
Evan, this is where I learned about the word Evanescence. It was from the band Evanescence. <laughs> I feel like they were such a like stylized band too. Like when I hear this song, I like picture the music video and like yep. how she looked and like the way her piano would look when yep. they would play shows and the yep. way her guitar. It's like for some reason I get such a visual of this group. It, something about that has impacted your yeah my whole life. Yeah, I guess exactly, it's still yeah. in there. I tried to push it out with like useless information about like Serbian shooting guards, <laughs> but uh, Evanescence is still in there. Uh, wait, bring me to life. I was about to call it. Wake me up inside. <laughs> Bring Me to Life was released on April 7, 2003, and was the breakthrough hit for the group. It charted in the top 10 of more than 15 countries and was certified platinum. Sheesh. Yeah, pretty sick. Um, Ring the Bell, too, because this is a Grammy-winning song. Oh, no shit. Yeah, Best Hard Rock Performance Grammy. I mean, this song, it's got all the ingredients. It does. It sounds like it it, it was a great idea, a group hitting a, a strong stride when it comes to, like, songwriting and just, like... It has like a breakthrough singer. The mix is really good. Yep. They, they did kind of like do everything that a yep. Grammy winning song is supposed to do. Yep. It was recorded at Ocean Studios in Burbank, California, and was produced by Dave Fortman. It was written by band members Amy Lee, Benjamin Moody, and David Hodges. Benjamin mm-hmm. Moody, what a name. You I think know, that's his real yeah. name? He's yeah. like the guitar player. He like wrote most of the songs. Yeah, for there. yeah. They had like a contentious falling out at some point. Probably. Benjamin Moody sounds like a Harry Potter character. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Amy Lee kind of looks like a Harry Potter, right, right. Like, a de- <laughs> like a Death Eater. Right, right. <laughs> Bring Me to Life was mixed by Jay Baumgartner at NRG Recording Studios in North Hollywood on an SSL 9000J. So got to ask Dude. you, like, what is that? Break, break it down for me. I think I know, but I don't really know the numbers after SSL. Yeah. So I know the SSL J like the back of my hand. Oh, yeah? If there is any board out there that I know, it's the SSL J. So SSL obviously has been making consoles forever, and they the the series of the board is you know denoted by the number. Yeah. So like the first real famous one was the SSL E series, like mm-hmm. they have at Tree Sound. Got it. Yeah, yeah, that one's cool. And then it they looked came, awesome. Like yeah, a, and it was like cool. a museum piece. Exactly. Um, then they had the SSL G series, which was like the big rock and roll board. Mm-hmm. Like when you drove an SSL G series into the red a little bit like when you like really hit the board hard it did this cool like harmonic distortion thing that just like really suited rock music but didn't really suit urban music or r&b music um because when you drove the board you would lose some of that lower end because the distortion yeah, would kind of yeah. eat up that lower end so w- were they using that a lot in like the 80s on like some of those like classic rock tracks that like sounded oh, a bit more mid-range yeah all throughout the 90s yeah. and even still today like Chris Lord Algae mixes on a oh on I was gonna SLG. ask yes I was yeah, gonna so he's sounds on a like his board yeah yeah where like Michael Brower mixed on mm-hmm. a J so when the J came out um the J and the K came out almost simultaneously so what the J did is um, it added more effect sends and ease in more routing that you could do. But what it also did is it maintained the fatness of the low end and the sparkly high end. So you could get like extremely precise recordings and mixes. And which is why like R&B and, and urban guys loved the J because yeah. like you could really hammer this board and it maintained the bottom. That's it. Is that the board they have at? Do, do they have that at your studio? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, so so that's why. That that, that's time? why I know so much about that's it. Yeah, sick, yeah. And, like I researched about <laughs> it, and like there's nothing wrong with a G. Like I would mix on a G yeah. any other day, but the 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 J 
was like the quintessential, like it was just such an amazing board. So knowing that, is that like why there's a lot of clarity in this mix? Like with how, how that weird whale noise is like really yeah. present, but then also the strings and like, I like how would that influence the sound, the sound of like this song? Definitely. Like when you like the SSLJ ultimately like extended the harmonic, like the frequency range of the music being mixed through it. Mm. And so, you know, R&B, like I said, R&B and rap music loved it because they could have like the really deep lows, but still the crystal highs. But now when you started mixing rock records through it, you could now have like these huge lows Yeah, yeah. that before was more of like the mid-range thing. Not saying that there wasn't lows there, but they just did, they just worked differently. No, the frequency range gets bigger, so it becomes like a little bit more dramatic. Dramatic. Which is, is, the, yeah. which is cool, because I feel like that's like characteristic of the time, like in, in this era, like 2003, like all these rock bands kind of had like a little bit of a hip hop wannabe thing to like elements this era, of the sound. For sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. And it's like, you know, early 2000s, it's like Pro Tools is kind of starting to come out. Tape is still kind of king. But what digital was allowing people to do is also extend their frequency range. Yeah, which know? is why we get some of those crushing, like, lo- that's a good point. Yeah, that's so when, cool. When you work on tape, it, the tape itself has inherent EQs and transformers. Yeah. And depending on what track you're is, depends on how much bass it gets and how much high end it or gets. Or like how hot it is in the room where they store the tape. Absolutely. <laughs> All that, like, literally, like the humidity yeah. of the room yeah. at minute one versus minute five <laughs> will change how the shit sounds. Exactly. It's crazy, yeah. Man, so Evanescence is from Arkansas. No shit. Yeah, isn't that weird as fuck? Yeah, dude. Does not, it's like, I, I, like, I don't know what an Arkansas sound would be, but I would not think this song. No. I would think this is like a Northeast, Northeast yeah. group. Or like maybe Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. Pacific Northwest, yeah. Like very Twin Peaks. Very. The last group from Arkansas to have a top 40 hit was the group Black Oak, Arkansas in 1974, so... A lot, a lot of time. I wonder what it's like. I'm from, I'm from a place where we have top forty hits all the like, time. Yeah, like forever, my whole life. <laughs> yeah, and like to have like one. I mean, they do have Bill Clinton. Yeah, they got Bill Clinton. Exactly. And they got Walmart. Is, is that that's a uh, Arkansas thing? I'm pretty sure it's from Arkansas. Damn, what a weird claim to fame. Walmart and Bill Clinton. I'm 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 like ninety eight percent sure about I would, Walmart. I would love if like um Bill Clinton performed with Evanescence at a Walmart super center. At some point, that would be fun. I feel like yeah. he would be great on this song. Yeah, I mean, that'd be a great marketing he could, he for could Walmart. Do the, he could do the uh, the Paul McCoy part. Yeah. Wake me up inside. <laughs> yeah, play the sax. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He fucking shreds the sax. Yeah, that'd he plays the sax. That'd yeah. be so much better. Yeah. Emily wrote this song about meeting Josh Hartzler, who eventually would become her husband. Gordon Lee, quote, I was in a really bad place and going through a really hard time. He sat across from me when I went to reserve a table, and he just looked me dead in the eye and said, are you happy? And it shocked my heart, and I looked down and just started making up excuses. I choked on my words because I felt like I was completely outwardly acting normal, but inside, in a lot of turmoil. And I felt like he could stare straight into my soul. That inspired the whole song. Were they like at a Hooters or something? It sounds fucking terrible. Like, like uh, did they know each other? No. Like, were they, they were, shoot, they, they they were, were sitting strangers. at opposite booths. Yeah, yeah. Arkansas, bro. So weird. That's such a weird vibe. Honestly, like, it's crazy that they got married. She must be a fucking nutcase. Like, this, had I mean, to, this is obviously before, like, they were massive stars yeah. because this was their big song. Yeah, yeah. What weird. It's like, she must be crazy. 
to get married to him, and he must be fucking insane to like just say that to a stranger at a restaurant. Have you ever talked to somebody at a restaurant like and like ask a question like that? Well, I mean, dude, year two thousand is much different. Oh yeah, good point. <laughs> like you didn't, you weren't, <laughs> dude, you weren't scared when people rang your doorbell. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, what happened? I don't know. You would think our music would be getting like darker and more aggressive. I yeah, don't know. If I don't it is. know, dude. Like, yeah, like so if someone comes and knocks on my door, I'm like, who is at the yeah, door? Feels really aggressive, like like to just like walk up to a stranger and be like, "Are you happy?" Yeah. I don't even ask the people in my life if they're happy. Yeah. I just assume no one is and move on. Yeah. Uh, Bring me to life was on the Daredevil soundtrack. Nice. And the band credits this with helping Evanescence becoming a popular band all over the world. Not it wasn't just a bad US. movie. Yeah, it that, could have been worse. I don't really think I saw it, if I'm being honest. But it's about a lawyer who's blind. I think he's a lawyer. Yeah. But then he like also like is like really is Ben Affleck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like it was definitely better than Fantastic Four. Yeah, that one sucked. Yeah. And I'm a big Michael Chiklis guy, so I wonder I how they blew it. I know. So I got a, I got um, like two questions for you about like the mix of the song and recording. Like number one is like Amy Lee's vocal. So dynamic. Yeah. How do you like record that? Well, the, so people that, that are talented like that typically mm. have good control. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like they kind of understand performance and have mic technique. If a singer doesn't have good mic technique, it's hard to record because mm. like they're like shouting in the mic really close or they're too far away and they're not speaking loud enough. But like someone that sings like she does, it's like you can't not have good mic technique and sound like that. Yeah, yeah. It's too smooth and consistent. But it's not like compression. You know, no, it's, it's like and it's obviously like it, it is compressed. Yeah. But the performance to me like sounds like it was performed to the microphone the right way. Yeah, I, I think you know that, what I'm saying. That makes a lot of sense because I guess like you could theoretically like automate compression and volume to you like can. make it sound like a dynamic performance but you know that'll never sound like the not, same i mean in 2003 you're yeah, really definitely not then yeah but even now it's like i don't think i think you could do a really good job and sort of like create a facsimile of it maybe but you wouldn't you know it's just like recording a guitar part like yeah you just gotta kind of do it yeah you yeah. can you can tell yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah and then like okay last question i wanted to ask like let's say i don't know shit about like heavier music or whatever and i would classify this as a heavier song it's yeah, still like a yeah. pop song yeah, yeah but pretty heavy i just want to know like what is like the sonic characteristics of heavy music from like a mixing or recording standpoint what's crazy yeah. about low like heavier music is like people think it's all about the bass yeah but it's really about the mid-range like when you take all these guitars and you detune them down to C sharp, to mm -hmm. B, to A, they sound wobbly in the low end. They're yeah. not like super bassy instruments. No, exactly. Like there's this isn't a ton of there's not like a ton of bass on this track. No, it just it sounds low yeah. because they're tuned low, but it's actually like very clear mid-range. And that's uh. what makes it so good. It's like, yeah, like yeah, they're playing a low note. But it's not a bassy low note. Got it. So like it's because it's lower than what we normally hear for we, guitars. We and stuff. feel it as being heavier and heavy lower, and low, but, but it's not really when it comes to like the spectrum of human hearing. Yeah, like, and I learned this actually cool in school, like, because like um, we had an exercise where um, our teacher was like, bring in some of your like favorite songs, and, and we'll talk about them. And I was really into this one Deftone song because I thought it had amazing bass. Yeah, and I was like, I really, and at the at the beginning of the song, you're supposed to say like, okay, like, what are you looking to get out of this song or what do you want to learn about? And I was like, man, I really 
like the bass of this song. Play the song, and the teacher's like, well, there's really actually not that much bass in there. If you listen to it compared to this and started like doing these examples, I was like, yeah. he, I was like he's right. There's not that much bass in it. But it's just tuned so low and so different that I'm perceiving it different than I would perceive other music. It's really weird. Yeah, I get, that is so interesting. Like I always think about that too, like concept, like so much of the listening experience has to do with me. Yeah. Like Evanescence and Dave Fortman and Jay Baumgartner. Did I get that, the mixers? I think so. I think yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Like they all like made this track and it doesn't exist without them, but I'm experiencing it as me. So like my perception is like very valuable. How, how it happens. So yeah. that's cool that it's the same with like frequency ranges. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's so strange, man. Like, guitars are weird, man. <laughs> They're so weird. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Please rate and review, subscribe, do all those things. We got a Patreon and an Instagram. We'll put that link in the show notes. Um, please share this around with your friends in real life. We really appreciate your support. Thanks so much for listening to this.